All right. How, how many of you had a good Christmas? Yeah. Awesome. Hey, we had over 5,000 people worship with us for Christmas Eve services. Yep. And we had over 10 baptisms across our three campuses as well. That's what, that's we're celebrating, right? 10 baptisms. So there was a uh, perfect woman and a perfect man. And they met. And they started perfect dating. And eventually that led to a perfect courtship. With eventually led to a perfect marriage. And of course they led a perfect life. So on one particular snowy Christmas Eve, they were driving their perfect car and they noticed a guy standing along the side of the road. And being the perfect couple, they decided to pick him up. So when they stopped and got out and looked, they noticed that the guy was Santa Claus. And being the perfect couple, they didn't want children to be disappointed and not have their presence on Christmas morning. So they picked him up and they began to deliver presents. Unfortunately for the perfect woman, the perfect man, and Santa Claus, the weather was terrible, and the roads became impassable, and they had a wreck. The question is, who survived? Because we know this, there's no such thing as a perfect man, right? And there's no such thing as Santa Claus. So the perfect woman had to be driving, right? Which makes sense... Because that would explain the wreck. I just thought I'd mock everybody before we got started, right? All right, we have uh, walked through our series, The Journey. We've seen Jesus as a fetus. We've seen Jesus as a baby. We've seen Jesus as a child. We've seen Jesus as a man. And the last time we were here... We spoke of Jesus as a man whose life led him to the cross. A cross in which he died for you and I. A cross in which he died to pay our debt before God. Eventually, after lying in a tomb for three days, God raised him from the dead. And he has ascended to the Father. So as we wrap up this series, I want to ask just a few questions today. I want to ask, where is Jesus at today? If he's no longer a fetus and he's no longer a baby, a child or a man, where is Jesus today? And then I want to know, what's he doing today? Because when we studied Jesus as a fetus, as a child, as a baby, as a man, we found out what he was doing. I want to ask the question, what's he doing today? And then I want to ask the question to all of us. What about us? Where are we? But first I want to read a passage of scripture to you. In John 21, 25, here's what John writes. He says, Jesus did many other things as well. And if every one of them were written down, John says, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. I can't imagine understanding or reading What else Jesus did while he was around, since there's so much contained in scripture about what Jesus did. But to just think about it for a second, that all the things that Jesus did, if they were written down, the world couldn't contain those books. And I thought about that as I thought about this sermon, and God directed me to this passage in Revelation chapter 20. I want to draw your attention to it. It says, John writes, I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. 
Earth and sky fled from his presence and there was no place for them. He says, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before that throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. He says, the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. You see, every one of us, whether you're watching online this morning or whether you're in here, each one of us is writing a book. And here's what's in our book. Everything that you and I have done. Every one of them. So the question is, how do you feel about the book you're writing? How do you feel about what's contained in the pages of your book? Because here's the thing. And there's just no getting around it. That what's contained in that book will be used to judge us. Not compared to the person you're sitting next to. But they'll be used to judge us according to the standard of a holy and righteous God. So how do you feel about what's contained in your book? You see, lots of people use the beginning of a new year, and I say this every time I preach, that this is my favorite weekend of the year. Because for most people, well, I won't say everybody, of course, but for most people, the beginning of a new year is sort of a fresh start. You heard Rob today tell you how how forward he's looking to beginning a new year. Lots of people see the beginning of a week as a start over, the beginning of a month as a start over. But when you get to the beginning of a new year, many people rejoice that we get to start over. Unfortunately, the experts tell us that by February the 14th, most New Year's resolutions have been dropped. So do people really look forward to the new year as a fresh start to start over? My hope is that you'll see 2022 as a chance to start over. A chance to make, as Rob said today, to make some kingdom resolutions. Because I don't know about you, but personal resolutions aren't always my thing. How many of you will make a new year's resolution this year? Already have. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Two of you. All right. We're on the same page. Good for you, right? Well, that's that's good. Let's make some kingdom resolutions then, right? Let's make some resolutions in our walk with Jesus for 2022, right? So let's ask a couple questions, right? Let's talk about where Jesus is at. We're going to cover some scripture today. You can take them down. If you've got your Bibles, open them up, your, your, your iPhones, whatever smart device you have. As always, you can go to the YouVersion Bible app and you can find uh, Tomoka's live event on there. And under the live event, you can always find the notes for each sermon, whether it's Tuesday church, whether it's Wednesday nights, or whether it's the weekend, you can always find the notes there as well. So let's go through some scriptures here and talk about where is Jesus today? Here's what First Peter chapter 3, verse 21 and 22 says. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body. But the pledge of a good conscience toward God, that water saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, who's gone into heaven, Jesus, who's gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Paul writes it this way in Ephesians 1. He says, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. 
That power is like the working of his mighty strength. He says that power he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. Jesus' ascension to heaven put him at the right hand of the throne of God. There, the scripture says, he waits for God to make his enemies his footstool. His work was done. Jesus said it on the cross. It is finished. And so he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But here's the thing. Scripture doesn't just stop there to tell us where Jesus is at. Bible also says this about where Jesus is at. Check this out. This is in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. It says that God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his... Everybody say that word. Jesus isn't just at the right hand of the throne of God. Scripture says he's the head of the church, the church being the body of Christ, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. It says it this way in 1 Corinthians 12, 27. You and I, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, the Bible says you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And then in Colossians 1, 18 and 24, he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. And verse 24 says, I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. You see, Jesus isn't just sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. Scripture makes it clear that you and I, you and I, as believers in Jesus, are the body of Christ on this earth today. So where is he? He's in heaven. But he's also in Ormond Beach, on Hand Avenue. And wherever you are watching online... If you are a believer in Jesus, a follower of Christ, then he is wherever you're at. I don't know about you, but that makes a difference to me because my 18-year-old daughter came home from college uh, for Christmas break. I still can't believe that my 18-year-old daughter is grown up enough to go live on her own, right? But she's out there living in Tampa, finishing school, and she came home. And when Cana became an became a, a senior in high school, she and I had a conversation. Now she's the fifth teenager that I had raised. And I had broken my teeth on how to raise a teenager by doing it poorly with the first four, right? And I had I had learned a lot about how to raise a teenager by the time Cana came along, plus I was tired. Right? So I didn't care as much, right? So so we had a conversation and I told her, listen, I'm not, I'm not stupid, right? The reality is I know you're going to do things that, that I don't want to know, right? That you're going to do things that I'm going to be aggravated about. But I just told her, I said, listen, 
I've tried this with almost all of my kids, and it hasn't worked. I said, you're it. So I'm going to give it one more shot, right? What I want is I just want you to be honest with me. Like, you and I both know that you're going to go places and do things that I'm not going to be a particular fan about. And opposed to losing my mind about it, I just want you to be honest with me because I'd much rather you be honest with me and be someplace that you know you shouldn't than to just lie to me. Now, to Kena's credit, it took her a little while to figure it out, but, but I'll tell you this, she has. So when she came home for Christmas break, she's like, hey, I'm going to go hang out with my friends, you know, and my brain's like, this is probably not going to be good, right? But I texted her and I said, hey, where are you? And of course, to Kena's credit, she told me the truth. And she said at the end of the text, I just want to be honest with you about where I'm at. Thank you very much. Because I don't know about you, but when we care about people, it matters where they are and we like to know where they're at. Would you agree with that? Listen, it matters. It matters to those of us who love Jesus to know where he's at. You need to know he's at the right hand of the throne of God. He's done his work. He's completed his work. But you also need to know this. That where you live and what street you live on and what school you might attend as a student and where you work. It matters because the body of Christ, Jesus himself, is still present in those places as well. So the question becomes, what are you doing? Because it wasn't enough for me to know where Cana was at. My follow-up text was, thank you, now what are you doing? Right? So what is Jesus doing while he's at the right hand of the throne of God? Listen to what scripture says about what Jesus is doing on our behalf while he's at God's right hand. John 14, John says he's doing this. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, he says, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, he says, then I'll come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. Listen, you need to know that Jesus, yeah, right? You need to know that Jesus, that Jesus is at work making your home ready, right? Listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but this world isn't going to last forever. This place isn't going to last forever. What's wrong with the world isn't going to last forever, right? This fight that we're in isn't going to last forever. COVID isn't going to last forever, right? All of these things that we deal with, cancer isn't going to last forever, right? These things won't last forever. This place won't last forever. There is an eternal home. And the Bible says that Jesus is preparing that place for you, making home ready for you. But that isn't all he's doing. Listen to Hebrews 7. Some of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Because Jesus lives forever. He is a permanent priesthood. Therefore, everybody read this with me. Everybody online, everybody here, read this with me. He is able to save. All right. For some of you, that's what you need to know. Because for some of you, 2021 was an absolute struggle. Because some of you struggle with the idea that Jesus saves completely. 
Some of you wondered if you were saved at all. Some of you wondered if one minute you were in and the next minute you were out. Listen, let's be clear about something, church. The Bible says, not your pastors, but the Bible says, because Jesus lives forever, he's able to save how? Completely. Listen, you're either saved or you're not. You're not half in and half out. You're not, you don't have to wonder whether you are. If you believe in Jesus and you've confessed, right, you've believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus, Lord, can I hear you say amen? amen? The Bible says that because Jesus lives forever, he's able to save completely those who come to him through faith. Listen, you're saved completely. How about a kingdom resolution that tells Satan you're no longer going to create doubt in me about my standing with God? How about a kingdom resolution that says Satan's lie won't affect me anymore? I'm not going to believe him when he tells me you, you're, you're not worthy. Right? If God only knew what you did, if the church only knew what you did, you wouldn't be standing here having any confidence in your Savior. Let's be clear, church. When Jesus saves, he saves completely. Amen? But it goes on to say this in verse 25 of Hebrews 7. Bring that the verse right before that back up. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him. Listen to this. Because he always lives to intercede for them. John writes it this way in 1 John chapter 2. Maybe this way is a little easier to understand. But in 1 John 2, he says, My dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, Listen, anybody here going to sin in 2022? Probably. Anybody over here? Because you guys are really quiet. Right? Anybody over here going to sin? Okay, four of you. Thank you. Right? But everybody, and here's what you need to know. Here's what the Bible says happens when you sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one. Listen to this. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Listen, I don't know about you, but when I sin, I usually have prosecutors in my house, right? When I do something wrong, I usually have people who don't speak in my defense, but speak for my conviction, right? Usually there's people who are willing to jump on the bandwagon of my sin to sort of reinforce how wrong I am. Listen, do you understand Do you understand that your Savior, who saves completely, stands before God, and when you do sin, He speaks on your defense? That's awesome. You've got a Savior who so understands our struggles and is so sympathetic with our weaknesses that when you and I, as children of God, sin, Jesus stands before God and speaks to him on our defense. Maybe one of the resolutions you need to make in 2022 is to trust that more. As opposed to spending a week in hibernation, embarrassed and ashamed and not coming to church and not trusting in your Savior who saves completely, maybe one of the resolutions we need to make in 2022 is that Jesus not only saves completely, But he's interceding on my behalf. He's up there speaking in my defense. 
Because Revelation chapter 12 tells us that there's an accuser. Revelation chapter 12 tells us that Satan himself accuses us before God day and night. Do you realize that Satan's work is to use your life and my life and to make accusations about us before God? Because listen, Satan doesn't have to fabricate evidence for most of us to go to God and go, are you seriously willing to save these people? Are you really going to keep your promise with this person? Do you know, do you know what they did? Listen, that book that you and I are writing, all Satan's got to do is take out page 22. If he takes out page 22 and just brings it before God, all he's got to do is wave it because the chances are that if anybody does sin, it's written on that page. And here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus isn't up there shaking his head. He isn't up there going, oh my gosh, I can't believe I got to do this again. Jesus is there before God speaking on our defense. He's our advocate. And I don't know about you, but that gives me the ability to get up every single day and trust that between me and God, everything's always okay. And listen, part of what you and I need to do in 2022 is stop giving the devil ammunition and stop believing the lies that he tells us. Jesus is at God's right hand and he's preparing home for us, eternal home, but he's also up there interceding for you. And he's interceding in a way that says, I'm here to stand in their defense. There's plenty of people who want to prosecute you. Plenty of people who want to point the finger at you. Plenty of people who want to doubt you and judge you. Isn't it nice to know that your savior's in your corner, that he's willing to stand in your defense and listen, for students who struggle at times mightily to keep their morality in check, you need to know that Jesus isn't mad at you. He isn't angry at you and doesn't stand before God shaking his head about you. He stands before God on your defense. And that's something that you can count on in 2022. I don't know about you, but I find that great comfort. But there's also more that Jesus is doing. Listen to what John chapter 14 says about Jesus and his followers. Remember, if you're a follower of Jesus, a disciple, the Bible says that we're the body of Christ. We're living right here, right now. He says, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, anyone who has faith in me, listen to this, will do what I have been doing. If you're a follower of Jesus, Bible's really, listen, being a Christian is simple. In the sense of understanding it. It's not a complicated thing. There's not like, there's not like these huge formulas you gotta figure out to follow Jesus. Jesus himself made it very simple. If you have faith in me. So how many of you have faith in Jesus this morning? Say amen. amen. Here's what he says. You will do what I've been doing. Isn't anybody in here, anybody on our staff, there isn't anybody here that has to reinvent the wheel. Right? There isn't any huge great things that we've got to do that haven't been done before. Jesus says, you have faith in me. It's really simple. You'll do what I've been doing. So what did Jesus do while he was here? Well, he cast out demons. Right? We know that from scripture. What does is, what is God tell us as the body of Christ to do in our world today? Well, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us 
what we should be doing in regard to the spiritual forces in the world. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He says, for our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Listen, Jesus, when he was present, fought demons and cast them out. We're told as the body of Christ that we should fight that spiritual battle against those evil forces in the world. Right? We're to engage in that spiritual fight. For some of you, your resolution needs to be that you understand that there is a spiritual force of evil in this world at work against you. And you need to armor up. You need to suit up and begin to fight spiritually like you've never fought before. Because there's a war waging in this place. And it's a war for your soul. We don't have to cast demons out, but we can fight our spiritual battles. What else did Jesus do? We know that Jesus created, created loaves and fish and food for those that are in need. And instead of looking for miraculous signs, Jesus tells us in 1 John chapter 3 and verses 16 and 18, this is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has a material possession and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on him or no compassion on him, how can the love of God be in him? He says, dear children, let us not love with words or with tongue, but with actions and in truth. Yes, Jesus performed miracles for food. What did Jesus do today? It meets the needs of those people around us. Who have them. Listen, if you're a believer today, one of the resolutions that we need to make for the kingdom in 2022 is that we're going to make sure we continue to meet the needs of people around us. It's why we do a food pantry. It's why we ask you to volunteer for the food pantry. It's why we ask you to give and contribute to the food pantry. But you know what? You don't have to have a food pantry to follow this, do you? Every one of us runs into people who have needs. Here's what the Bible says. It's really simple. Again, it's not complicated to be a Christian. If you see a brother or sister in need and you've got material possessions, what does love do? It meets the need. Imagine what the world would look like if Christians began to do what Jesus did. See, you don't have to make up stuff. We don't have to create these things and say, man, this is what I'm going to do. Now I'm going to pray that God will bless it. No, the Bible's pretty simple. If you'll simply do what Jesus did, God will bless it. He just will. So what else did Jesus do? We know that Jesus was tortured and crucified by his enemies. What does the body of Christ Jesus do today? Matthew chapter 5 and verses 9 through 12. Jesus said this. You've heard that it was. That's good right there. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said blessed are you when people insult you. Persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice, he says, and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then he says in verse 38, in an extension of this, he said, you've heard that it said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, he says, 
turn to them the other also. And if someone sues you to take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, walk the second one for free. He says, give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. Listen, part of the kingdom resolution some of us need to make is we're going to start loving our enemies in 2022. Listen, it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle in 2021 for believers in Jesus to love their enemies. There's been a lot of, listen, I don't, thank God I don't have social media, but I've got enough friends that have social media, media that give me some insight to what happens on social media. And some of them have to do with people who attend our churches. Listen, there's a lot of animosity out there right now between the world and those who claim to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Listen, if we want to see our world change, if you want to see your, your child's life change, if you want to see your neighbor's life change, listen, you and I are going to have to stop fighting with these people because our fight is not against flesh and blood. There's a spiritual force out there that we need to armor up and fight. But for the people out there, we need to love our enemies. One of the greatest resolutions you can make as a believer today, that I can make as a believer today, is to learn to love our enemies. And bless those who persecute us. And pray for those who persecute us and insult us. Listen, you want to make a difference in our world today? Learn to lay down your life for other people. Now, listen, being simple and being easy are two different things. Being a Christian is not complicated. But it's incredibly difficult. Because to lay down your life for people who are enemies, man, that's a hard thing. But Scripture tells us, that if the only time we lay down our life is for our friends, we're no different than the people in the world. We're no different than the people sitting at the corner bar that do anything for their buddy who was in trouble. You want to make a difference? You want people to see Jesus in you in 2022? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Don't return insult for insult. Don't get caught up in these foolish arguments. All of that just sets us up to disparage our message. And our message is this. Jesus loves you. Kerry Newhoff is a pastor and a leadership teacher in Canada. And yesterday on his Twitter account, Kerry posted this. For God so loved the world, who decided we shouldn't? For God so loved the world, who decided that we shouldn't? Listen, if there's anything our world needs today, it's the love of Christian people with God living through them. Here's what Jesus said in John 13, John 13, 33 through 35. My dear children, Jesus said, I'm going to be with you a little longer. You're going to look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I'm going, you can't come. He says, a new command I give to you, love one another. And then he qualifies it as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And here's why, because all men will know that you're my disciple. If you what? come on, say it church, 
Love one another. Nobody knows you're a disciple of Jesus because you attend Tomoka Christian Church. People know that you're a disciple of Jesus because you love. And listen, love is patient and love is kind and love is not selfish and love is not boast and love does not seek its own. Love does not keep track of wrong, right? Love bears all things. Love hopes all things. Love believes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. One of the greatest resolutions you can make is to do what Jesus would do. And that's to love those around you, friend or foe. So here's the question I want to ask. Where are you at with all this? You see, we read the scripture that says Jesus saves completely. But you've got to put your faith in him. Listen, there's only two, listen, there's only two types of people in the world when it comes to God, right? And one of the things that we always want to do here at Tomoka is we want to be honest with you, right? We want to be honest with you about what God says is truth. And here's what God says is truth. You either know him through Jesus or you don't. There's no middle ground. There's no waiting area. It's not like going to the airport and pulling into the cell lot and not really be parking, but sort of be parking, waiting for a flight, right? There's none of that with Christianity. You either know Jesus or you don't. And so for some of you, I mean, listen, I've sat there. I sat in church for one solid year without ever accepting Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I remember to this day the tug and the pull and the work of God's Spirit on me every single day when I would go to church. And to, to walk out and to deny that tug and that pull and that conviction, man, that was one of the hardest things I ever did. But I did it for a year. For some of you, that's exactly what's happening in your life. For some of you watching online, that's exactly what's happening today. God's spirit, this thing that you can't, that you can't identify has been tugging on you and pulling at you and asking you to make a decision. Here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 10 for those of us who don't know Jesus. Here's what he says in Romans 10, 8 through 13. What does it say? He says the words near you, it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we're proclaiming. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and that you believe in your heart that God raised him the dead, you will be saved. He says, for it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And the scripture says, anyone who trusts in Jesus will not be put to shame. This is for some of you, maybe just one of you. 2022 starts with the decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And again, it's not complicated. You don't got to bring anything. You don't got to buy anything. You don't have to become anything. The Bible says that your heart is capable of believing this enough to be declared not guilty. And that your mouth is capable of declaring this enough to be saved. If you're online, there's a button that says, I've decided. If that's for you, just push that button. People will be there to have that conversation with you, to walk through the questions you might have and share with you God's word and his truth. If you're in here, right up here to the right of the stage, we'll have our, we'll have our decision team up here. And they're prepared to do the exact same thing for you. Listen, there's no decision, church, that matters more than that decision. 
It's the decision we care most about in this place. Making sure that you find your way to Jesus. But what about you in this place? And what about you online who already know Jesus? What is knowing where Jesus is at and what Jesus is doing? What does that mean to you? Luke 19, 9 and 10, Jesus said this. In Zacchaeus' house, he said, Today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. He says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Listen, we say this all the time. I say it a lot, right? We have one clearly defined mission statement at Tomoka Christian Church. We say it this way. It's said the exact same way uh, in other churches, just with different words. We exist to make it hard for people to go to hell from this generation. And that language doesn't need to be changed to soften for a generation of people that we think can't handle it. Because that's the language of scripture. It's the language of truth. And those things can be said in love. Listen, there are people today whose time will end on this earth. And they will only be responsible for answering one question. Did they accept Jesus? Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus today, ultimately the commitment and the resolution we want you to make is to become a person who seeks and save that which was lost. That's the most important thing we'll ever do in 2022. Listen, I'm proud of you for your accomplishments. Listen, if you decide to lose weight and you lose 20 pounds, I'm proud of you. If you decide to make a resolution to, to lose 20 pounds and gain five, I'm proud of you for trying, right? Yeah, listen, I'm proud of you if you accomplish your goals in 2022 to get a better education, right? To get that promotion, to buy that car or to own that home. Listen, whatever you do, I'm proud of you. But the only thing that matters long-term is the people know Jesus. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, just so there's no doubt. He says, all of this is from God who, reckoned, who reconciled us to himself through Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, nobody in here was ever saved to, saved to sit. God saved us and then he called us into the ministry of reconciliation. To make sure that men and women are reconciled. Right? That the, the thing between them has been eliminated. That's what he called us to do. And he says that God, that God was reconciling the world to himself in who? In Jesus. And guess who Jesus is today? The church. God's always, always been planning to use the church to reconcile the world to himself. Because God uses Jesus to reconcile people to himself. Jesus is still here. In the form of the church, Tomoka Christian Church is the body of Christ. And God's desire is to use us to reconcile the world to himself. And he says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Jesus, not counting men's sins against them. So if God doesn't count their sins against them, can we please make a resolution in 2022 to stop doing it too? Your count doesn't matter. It just makes things complicated for people who are trying to get to God. You don't need to count people's sins. Because if you do, how about just starting with your own? And my guess is by the time you get to 17, you'll finally realize maybe I shouldn't count other people's. But he says, 
Listen to this. And he has committed to you and I the message of reconciliation. And what is that? We are therefore Christ's representatives. As through God, as though God, excuse me, were making his appeal through us, we implore in the Greek, beg you, we beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus online or in here today, and you want to, you want to make a resolution for the kingdom, make this resolution. You're going to do whatever it takes to win one to Jesus this year. Just one. Listen, if everybody who's a partner at Tomoka Christian Church makes a resolution to win one person to Jesus, we'd win over 3,500 people to Christ this year. That goal that Joe set to win one per day of 365 will be obliterated, right? If you want a goal that's worthy of your effort and of your discipline and of your work, let's make a goal. Let's make a goal to seek and save that which was lost. Let's make a goal goal to represent Jesus and allow the world to be reconciled to God through him. Let's stop counting people's sins against them. And let's begin to beg people to be reconciled to God through Jesus. Amen, church? I want to close by reading something to you. I don't, I don't like reading to adults, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's my New Year's resolution, all right? Somebody wrote this for me. I'd asked them a question and I just wanted to read to you what they wrote. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty profound. Jesus in the present is found on the smile hiding behind the man made mandated mask that you must take extra detail in reading insight from eye contact to be able to see. Jesus in the frustration of missing able bodies who once held jobs at local stores, handling your purchase transactions, which now resemble brightly colored computers you must train yourself how to use. Jesus meets us in the lines of empty shelves or supplies are deemed missing due to supply chain issues and lack of workers that cause a lack of productivity. Jesus is in the empty stalls, the long pews at church that were once packed with worshiping hands and hearts. Jesus is in the classroom where students must struggle to keep up after taking an unthinkable amount of time off due to the pandemic. Jesus is in the thriving housing market where your highest bid will be ignored because a last minute buyer waving cash can bump you out of the running. Jesus meets us in the lobbies of hospitals, chapels, and waiting rooms as announcements of cancer, heart attacks, or even death wait for our anxious hearts to hear. Jesus is in the airplane delivering people and products all over this consuming world. He's in the boardroom where heads collide to plan agendas and schedules and budgets. Where pastors pour their hearts into sermons that they may just be the hymn of his garment one lonely soul is waiting to hear. He's in the rooms where secrets are told, where love is born and children are birthed. In factories that make our food, fertilizers and clothes. Jesus holds us in our pain, in our weakness, and in our pride. He makes us, he makes a way for us to see him beyond Fox News and satellite radio. Outside of Netflix and TikTok is a God waiting to be heard and longing for relationship. Jesus waits. In the darkest rooms, the saddest hearts, and the loneliest of souls, he waits. To awaken in us a joy that resides in all of this. Every stinking hard place and part that you think no one could possibly understand. He's the voice of reason and the peace in the hurricane. He shelters the sun from burning the crop. He supplies saturation to moisten the soul. He rips the weeds away from the good seed. He bears our burdens and sees our pain. And he counts the breaths of air our lungs take and the hair on our heads. He's now. He's forever. He is. 
And only he can help us move forward in this mess of a world that says more is better. Must-haves and must-dos to be popular or good or equal. Jesus makes us whole in what the world speaks against. The room where the abortion doesn't happen. Where the needle doesn't take a life or the gun doesn't shoot its victim. Jesus is asking us to reach higher than we know. Stretch us farther than we believe is capable. To depths that need compassion and raw and filtered conversations. And hand-holding when you smell from weeks of poor hygiene. When mental illness takes over. And the people we once knew have become strangers. Jesus asked us to be the voice of reason and our own stupidity and stubbornness. To push past our own no. Jesus is begging us to say yes. So what about you in 2022? Will you say yes? Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. You know, you tell us in your word... That we are to give you thanks in everything. There has certainly been some stuff in 2021 that's been hard to be thankful for and to be thankful in. But yet, God, we are grateful. We're grateful that we can trust that you're a good God and that you love us. And we're grateful that you've blessed us with today. Not just a new day, but a new year. So, Lord, I pray for our church today. I pray, first of all, for those who've participated in this church, who've never accepted Jesus, Lord. My prayer is that this would be the year they surrender to your call and your tug and your pull and your conviction. And I pray for our church today, Lord. So many things to be distracted with and so many things to be consumed by. Lord, my prayer is that we'll have one focus in 2022. That we'll do whatever it takes to win one to Jesus. And so, Father, we are so grateful that you've called us and that you use us. We pray that you would do it to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.